0: Father, this morning we just come to you to give back the very breath, God, that you breathed into our lungs. God, we're not worthy of it. We're not worthy of anything that you've paid, the price you paid for us, Lord, but we know this morning, God, that you gave that up just because you love us. We're thankful for your love. We're thankful for Jesus. We're thankful for the cross. Jesus Christ, our living hope, our savior, Jesus, we love you. We pray that God, you were honored, you were glorified in our worship this morning. And we ask that you would speak to us through your word this morning. God, we love you. We give this time to you. And we ask these all in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. It's good to be home with you guys today. I don't want to tell you what the temperature was like in Portugal, but it was much better than it is here. Let me tell you. Much better than it is here. Say with me, the word of God the Spirit of God, the people of God are all we need and we need each desperately. I know of a couple needs that I want you to be aware of and pray for and minister to people. Uh, I'm sure there are others, I'm just not aware of them at the moment. Um, but uh, Patty Hicks, his mother passed away and they're also there in Louisiana with their family. And also uh, Lindsey Bob's uh, father is, is really, really ill really sick, uh, close to passing away and so Annie Bob is on his way to Lubbock to be with her now. So be in prayer for Lindsay Bob and their family. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12 verse 13 through 21. Luke chapter 12. Where is your treasure? is a good question. A good statement that we'll look at today we can be richer than the Amazon man. He's a rich man. And in Christ, we can be richer than the Amazon man. I can't pronounce his last name. I don't know what is Beavis or Beavos or whatever it is. So I'm just gonna call him the Amazon man. Luke chapter 12, verse 13 through 21. Now. In Luke chapter 12, we see the crowds being great. Matter of fact, it says in verse 1 that the crowds grew until thousands were stepping on each other. So it's a big crowd. And when you read Jesus' words, when there's a big crowd, you see that he goes straight to the heart of the matter. And he talks about some of the most... uh, most uh pinpointed things. He he he's talked straight to the heart and he gives the true thing of, of his words. He just lays it out there and he he causes lots of people to I'm sure to quit you know cringe a little bit with the words that he shares. In verse thirteen it says, Then someone called from the crowd. I can imagine that's always what it's like. Someone gets close enough to him and They're probably shouting out questions, maybe like news reporters do when the president or the prime minister or something in a country is walking out of his residence or out of his office and people have a chance. What about this? What about that? And someone called from the crowd, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Please tell my brother to divide our father's estate. Now, it was Jewish law that if there's two brothers in the family, that the oldest son gets two-thirds of the inheritance and the youngest son gets a third, and others, they just have to depend upon their brothers. And so that's the way it worked. Now, this guy believes... That he has been wronged, right? He says, Come on now, help me here. Tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. And so there is some greed taking place here. Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. So obviously, Jesus, who knows all things, could, could rightly judge what is going on here in this situation. And so greed is at work between these two brothers. Maybe this, this, uh, this brother, this one, the one that shouts out the question, maybe uh, he doesn't rightfully re- receive any of the father's state. We don't know. But most likely, the older brother is the other brother, and most likely he received uh, the, the father's inheritance, the father's estate, and he's not willing to share it with his brother. Jesus says, beware of every kind of greed. Now, money is not the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil. We know that. The Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is like everything else that God has provided for us. Money is to be a blessing, money is a source of life. It's, it's how our economy works, right? Money's not the problem, it's our position towards money. The nut thing is, the crazy thing is, is that Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven, than he did about hell, than he even did about other things. He talked about money more than he talked about love. So obviously Jesus understands and Jesus knew that our biggest issue and the biggest problem that we're all gonna have is our relationship with money. Beware of greed of every kind. One of my favorite shows on television is American Pickers. I just think that's crazy where they go and what they do. And, and I, I find it so interesting that they'll go into a barn that nobody has been into for 30 or 40 years. And, and they'll find an oil can and they've got to rub the dirt off the oil can before they can even see what kind of oil can it is. And they'll say to the owner of the barn and the owner of the oil can, and they'll say, uh, I'll give you $15 for this oil can. He goes, Nope, not selling that. And, and every now and then they'll ask him and they'll say, How long's it been since you've seen this can? Oh, probably 40, 50 years. I don't know. Matter of fact, I didn't even know it was there but I don't want to sell it. I want to hold on to it. That's mine. I don't want to give that away. I can't part with that oil can. You don't even know the oil can is there. That's a kind of greed. Hoarding is a kind of greed. Consider all the problems in the world that's caused by greed. These two brothers have a conflict. Can you kind of imagine what their family reunions are like? If they even have them. Most likely, this conflict between these two brothers uh, keeps them from being able to have a family reunion. I'm sure they don't celebrate birthdays together. They They don't come together because this greed is dividing their relationship. Greed divides people. Greed causes lots of problems. I think you can boil down to the heart of all of our world's problems to greed. Third world countries, the reason why they have such poverty is greed. There's a few people in every country with money. They've got the money and they're holding on to the money. And that's why, one of the reasons, I'm sure there's lots of reasons for that. It's, it's It's not that simple, I suppose. But in every third world country, where people are living so far beyond a human life. No good drinking water, barely enough food to survive. Perhaps they are starving and it's greed. Someone loves the money, someone loves the power and they're greedy for the power and they're not going to do the right thing for all the people because they will have less. It's greed. Our conflict in our country, the politics, I think is tied to greed, the greed for the power, the greed for the say, the greed for what they want. I, I, don't, I don't care which political party you're part of today, if any perhaps, but I, I just don't believe that our political leaders, the leaders in our country, are absolutely, without question, for what's best for the American people. I believe that they're all for what's best for them. But Jesus said that we're going to have that kind of struggle. That's going to be the heart of man. Our conflicts in politics, I believe, is tied to greed. People are killed every day in our world because of greed. Sex trafficking, greed, the devalue of life, greed. Can you you imagine how greed overwhelms people and controls people so much that they are willing to snatch children from their homes and send them out into foreign countries or away from their families, kidnapped, bought, however it happens, and they are forced into the sex trade. I mean, for money, that's what that's about. That's greed. People are abused every day because of greed. We have in our world today a horrible refugee crisis. Now, we're isolated. We're in a bubble here. But just not very far from here along the border, there's a crisis. In Lebanon today, there's a crisis. There are crises all over our world with the Rev-G issue that's taking place. It's because of greed. The desire for power, the desire for more, the desire for their land. Greed for a way of life. They've got to live like us. They've got to act like us. They've got to believe like us. That's greed. That's all kinds of greed. Greed is a problem. Greed divides. Greed destroys. And so Jesus says, beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Now, obviously, he's talking about the kind of greed that separates these two brothers. The greed for money. And then Jesus says in verse 15, Life is not measured by how much you own. Life is not measured by how much you own. How do we measure life today in our world? How much you own. What kind of car you drive? In Texas, what kind of truck you drive? How big is your house? How powerful are you at work? How much say do you have in your world? Jesus said that life is not measured by how much you own. The Hebrew writer says in Hebrews 13 and five, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. And then he goes on to teach a lesson that the whole crowd needed to hear, that both of these brothers needed to hear. And he begins like this. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, that's always a mistake when you say to yourself, do you remember King David before he was king? Do you remember that he got himself in a real bad problem because he said to himself, he reasoned with himself without going to God and, and looking into God's directions for the answer. And whenever we reason within ourselves without consulting God and without paying attention to what God's word has to say to us, we always make a mistake. You know, when we approach the Bible, we don't need to come to the Bible and read the words of it and ask, how do you feel about that? What do you think about that? That always gets us off target. What we need to be doing is, what does the Scripture actually say? And go forward with that and believe what the Scripture says. But Jesus tells a parable about a successful farmer that reasons within himself. What should I do? He asked himself. I don't have room for all my crops. That's a difficult problem, isn't it? Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And after I build those bigger barns, I'll sit back and say to myself, there's a key there, in there. There's a common thread here. I'll say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat. Drink and be merry. This is tall cotton living. Tear down your barns, build bigger ones, and then you'll be able to put enough away in those barns that you can live for years. The easy life, the easy street. You'll have it made. It's like winning the lottery. It's like the ship coming in. You've got all you need right there. You can just live it up. You can just soak all those goods and just spend all that money on yourself. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Whew. Jesus Goes right to the heart of the crowd, doesn't he? How many of you think in that crowd were always thinking about how much they needed so they could be on easy street? How much they needed to have in their barns? How big of barns do we need to have so we can have it made? You probably have some friends, perhaps you are this person that thinks and says and, and, and goes through life like this, if I can only get this amount of money, then I'll be all right. Wrongly thinking that money satisfies. If I can only get to the place where we can have this kind of vacation, if we can have this kind of home, if I can get to the place to where you know, I don't have to worry anymore about bills, then I'll have it made. Then I'll sit on the back porch or sit on the front porch and eat, drink, and be merry. I'm going to have it all made. And Jesus is saying, that's not the heart of a believer. That's not the heart of a disciple of Christ. That's not how we are to be. And so we need to go through the struggle of dealing with this question of just how big of barns do we really need? How big does the bank account need to be? That's a good question. We all need to be asking ourselves that. How, how, how much do you really need to have in the bank? How much do you really need to have put away in investments? And so Jesus is saying to us here you, you're, you've got all this resources, you've got all this in the bank, and there are needs all around, but you've got it all in the bank. You've got it all in the bank. It's 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 a lot you're holding on to it. How big does the bank account need to be? Here's one of my favorite conversations in church meetings. How much money does the church need to have in its bank account for a rainy day? How much do we need to have in the funds? I don't feel comfortable unless we can have a hundred. Some say that. I don't feel comfortable unless we have 200. I don't feel comfortable unless we have a million. You know, preacher, we need to we need to have money set aside for a rainy day. What we're really saying is we need to have money put away so if they all get mad at you and leave, we can pay the bills for a while until we get someone else to fix this thing. Because that's liable to happen. We, we need to have enough money put away so that when, if people start being unfaithful, we'll have enough to survive. How big of a bank account does the church need to have? It, we need to at least ask that question. When are we trusting in bigger barns and not God any longer? Think about all the mission work this church has done the last 10 years. On on paper, we can't afford all that. I mean, we, we have spent lots of money reaching people. Lots of money. We can't afford all that. We can't afford that. That's right. We can't afford that. But the good news is it's coming from God. How much money do we need to have in the bank account? How big a house do we need to have? How big a house should we have? Now that's a very dangerous question to ask in Toledo because we all live in pretty good sized houses. And I may be preaching people away, right? But we need to ask that question. The love of money is the root of all evil. Do we love money? Can we go to the Father and say, Lord, should I live in this house? Are, do you Will you bless if I leave this house? Are you okay? Is my heart right? Or is there greed? Because we have to ask ourselves the question is, is money satisfying us or is God our satisfier? Are we depending upon ourselves? Are we dependent upon this American dream which we all enjoy so much, the blessings of all the abundance, or is our trust and our faith in God? So we need to at least ask the question, how big a barns do we really need? How big a house do we need? How nice of a truck do we need to drive? How much should we spend on the vacation? How much should we spend on the jewelry? How much should we spend on on our children? How much is okay for us to have in the bank? How long is it gonna rain? Who are we gonna trust in? You fool, you will die this very night. What good is it to gain the whole world and lose your soul? And then Jesus goes on to say to him, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you work for? Who's going to get it? You can't take it with you. You've heard that over and over and over, haven't you? All the stories, you know, you can't can't take a U-Haul in the grave with you. you can't do it why live for all the things that are not eternal they don't survive Jesus said don't invest in things that will rust will crumble destroy and ask that question will will this last forever then don't don't put all your eggs in that basket. Jesus says, yes, in verse 21, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Now, there's two things about this. We're a fool to store up earthly wealth and not have a rich relationship with God. not have a rich relationship with God. That's why I said you can be richer than the Amazon man. This past week, it was reported in some paper and news that he is now worth an estimated $150 billion. He's done well for himself. And we've all helped him. Right? Right? I'm not going to store, it's 108. Buy the toilet paper on the Amazon. Let's help him get to 151 billion before the summer's over. That's a lot of toilet paper. Jesus said you can have a rich relationship with God. That's, that's pretty neat. That's pretty awe. That's pretty, oh my. You can be richer than the Amazon man in Jesus Christ. You can have stuff that no one can take away. That's what we have in Jesus Christ. You can have hope that is beyond all understanding. That's in Jesus Christ. You can have the assurance that no matter what happens, God is with you. His power is there. You can have that assurance. That's that's wealth. You can have a peace of heart and mind. You can go to bed at night and know that all is well between you and God. That's worth 150 billion dollars right there. That's worth more than 150 billion dollars. It's a horrible mistake, Jesus said, to be controlled by greed and to go after all you can get hoping that you'll be satisfied by getting more and more and more and money never satisfied. It'll always intoxicate you and drive you to get more and more and more. But our Heavenly Father Our eternal Lord Jesus completely, absolutely satisfies. So, is it sinful to have lots of money? Absolutely not. Is it wrong to have money? No, it's not wrong. It is wrong when you do not have a rich relationship with God. It is wrong when you hold on too tight to what you have. It is wrong based on what Jesus has to say here when we don't ask that crucial question, how big a barns do we need to have? That's between you and the Lord. What God wants me to have obviously is different than what God wants you to have and what vice versa, all the way around the room. God's the giver of all good things. Is there greed? Is greed plaguing you, impacting you, harming you? Beware, beware of greed of all kinds. Life is not measured by what you own. How big a barns do you need to have? It is absolutely foolish to stockpile earthly wealth and not have a rich relationship with God. Help us to understand, Lord, today. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, come forward.